0: If you celebrate Christmas in July, then this bonus episode of Cruise Through HTX is for you. It's brought to you by me, Freddie Cruz, and my latest novel, Allow Me to Ruin Your Christmas. This episode is actually a guest appearance in which I was invited to be on Patrick Greenwood's podcast, Writers on Writers Over a Triple Espresso. Be sure to give Patrick a thumbs up on Facebook, and you can check out his podcast on YouTube when you smash that subscribe button. Enjoy. Hi,
1: I'm Ed Sheeran. This is Bruno Mars. Hey, it's Katy Perry. This is your man, Florida with Freddy Cruz. This is AJ Mitchell with Freddy Cruz. Freddy Cruz. Freddy Cruz. Let's go pick
0: Mr. 305 and you already know what it is. My name is Freddy and it's time to cruise through HTX.
1: It is your host, Patrick Greenwood, on Writers on Writers over at Triple Expresso, and we are deeply honored to not only have a writer, but a fellow podcaster who needs no introduction, but guess what? He's going to get one anyway, whether he likes it or not. Mr. Freddie Cruz. Morning, Freddie. How are you today,
0: man? Uh, Fantastic. And I do need an introduction. There's definitely disagreeing (laughs) there. Nobody knows who I am. In this infinite universe, I'm nothing more than just a speck of sand.
1: Well, you're an important sand to spec, my friend, so that's why you're on the podcast, so we can do your thing, man. Thank so, you. first of all, before we get into your podcast, which obviously we're going to dive into, you know, you had a, a rebranding opportunity, and you're, and you're kind of putting it out there as well. But let me get this right. Allow me to ruin your Christmas. Interesting. So, we're going to get into it. Show your cover, so people know what we're talking about. Yeah. Incredible cover. I'm looking Thank at you. it. I'm digging it. It's dark. It's, it's, it's there. It has a little bulb at the end. It's got a really scary-looking face, but... Let's talk a little bit about how we got here. How did the book get here? So when I had a chance to read your book and I picked it up on Amazon Kindle last night on Unlimited, and I started breezing through it going, I'm having a hard time trying to nail this guy. He's either a total smart ass, complete smart ass, or he's just a dark dude with a little bit of humor at the end. So how did you sort of sit down and say to yourself, I've got this story in my head. It's keeping me awake at night. It's screwing up my podcast broadcast. I got to write this thing. How did you put it together? It's really somewhat of a,
0: a projection mm-hmm. because my um, it, and you you've skimmed through enough of it, you know that um, they don't like or this is like the anti Hallmark channel <laughs> thing, and you know that I I' you could probably deduce from what you've read that I may not be a fan of certain, Happy go lucky, happy ending uh, movies and TV specials. And so, this was what, you know, as, and you're a writer yourself, mm-hmm. when you're creating something, it's somewhat of a projection of, uh, or that mirrors uh, whatever feelings you're going through at the time. And so, um, when I had first started writing the book, it was in the summer, mm-hmm. and uh, there were some Christmas specials, and someone who I love dearly. Mm-hmm. Uh, my wife mm-hmm. uh, was watching these specials and I found myself kind of saying things under my breath. And it was like, would you just please stop? And I'm like, <laughs> all right, fine. So then I thought, well, you know, you know who can't tell me to stop the people whose lives I wreck when I'm writing on, uh, when I'm writing, putting pen to paper, they mm-hmm. let me do whatever I want to them.
1: Exactly. So when you actually were sitting there watching these types, and I know we're talking about, about commercials. I mean, we all watch holiday specials and go, yeah. God is so fake. It's like that—that yeah. that makeup's gonna fall off her face any time, or that, oh, that guy's gonna trip on his high heels or whatever. But, 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 truth to be told, that when you have a chance to sort of see that and you sort of mimic it in your head, going, God, I wish you know Santa you know blew a fart or something. That to me is a holiday special. But when they make it so perfect and so in sync it's like i can't watch that anymore because it just it just not that i lose the Christmas spirit but you know you got to have a little flaw in life you got to have the flaw and your book had <laughs> a lot of flaws man you yeah. know not only in the human, their human spirit but hey you know it really kind of got to the heart and core of a little bit of revenge a little bit of darkness but you kept moving your book between dark moments light moments really really interesting moments and back to dark moons again so when you were creating these chapters and creating your different plots and characters was this based on people you knew was it based on people you observed or are you just like one of those and just can sit there in a coffee shop and write all this stuff out and come up with stuff as you're going along
0: i was just making shit up
1: I love it. You know, and and
0: the difference between this is my third book, and all three of my books are standalones. But the difference between this book and the first book and the second book, both of which do have very dark elements, Mm -hmm. uh, the difference between "Allow Me to Ruin Your Christmas" and the others Mm -hmm. is that I actually plotted it. I had a a loose, Mm -hmm. a loose outline. Now, there's some authors who. We'll write 75 or 100 page outlines. Others will have a sort of executive summary, which is no more than a page. Right. And so what I did was I wrote longhand on three by five index cards, mm-hmm. chapters. Mm-hmm. So the main characters are Beckett and mm-hmm. Lex. Uh, mm-hmm. Those are the two. Um, when you're reading the book, you'll see that that it's alternating first person POV between the two. Mm-hmm. And so what I would have is chapter one, mm-hmm. Beckett and Beckett is going to do this. And then chapter two, Lex, Mm -hmm. Lex is going to blah, blah, blah. And so I had this working sort of summary. Um, Mm -hmm. it could take up half of the index card or maybe the entire index card, or maybe just a couple of sentences. And that was the framework by which I created the story, which actually made the, um, the creative process flow so much smoother. I was able to write at 4 30 in the morning, which I would not recommend for anybody, uh, waking up that early unless you just have a story that is (laughs) 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 if you have a story that's just waiting, just like itching to get out, then yeah, by all means. Mm -hmm. Um, but but I mean that the outline really helped and and Mm -hmm. and the first two, like I said, were were they were they were plotted. Mm -hmm. Whereas you know what you want to write about, but you you know you're going to Disneyland, you just don't know if you're gonna go on a cycle the way Patrick would, if you'll run the way I do, or if you're going to go on a plane that ends up catching fire halfway there. So,
1: Well, and also if you're talking about Disneyland, you're the one that's like, I see somebody getting on Peter Pan and Peter Pan crashes and you're there capturing the entire moment going, what an idiot for getting on Peter Pan and I think it's going to crash. So I can yeah. just see you kind of taking a, you know, a clean <laughs> situation and just spinning it into the dark mode, you know, very, very quickly as well. So yeah. you, when you map things out, like you did, you did your cards and you sort of structured your storyline, did you catch yourself while you were writing going, oh, no one's going to believe this shit. Nobody's <laughs> going to buy. No one's going to buy into this nonsense. It's like I'm getting really. Did you find yourself drifting, especially when you get into some of the really uglier scenes about the father death and things? Did you find yourself going, there's no way that, there's no one's going to follow this story? Or did you feel confident as you were writing that there is going to be an audience out there people are going to really just dig into this and really love it?
0: I wrote the story for myself, really, um, and and I know that that's kind of sort of a not the I don't want to say politically correct thing to say. <laughs> Um, but it's the first thing that comes to mind. Uh, I think if you want to sell books, then yeah, you stick to the genre that you write in and you go according to whatever the formula is. And, you know, we talked about, um, the, the holiday movies and TV specials. Well, those are strict formula. I've talked to enough romance writers Mm -hmm. to know that you do not deviate from the romantic formula. You just don't do it. Otherwise it's, uh, what, what was I told DC Gomez? I talked to, um, she says, if you don't have that happy ending or it's a happy ending for now, you don't have a romance. It's a love story and it's completely different. You know, it's a completely different thing and you do, and you piss a bunch of people off. Yeah. So I write, you know, I write these stories for myself and mm-hmm. if, uh, somebody enjoys them now, obviously I would never argue with someone wanting to, you know, with a million people wanting to pick up my book uh, or it getting turned into a Netflix series or whatever. um, You know, that's not for me to decide. I just, um, you know, I wrote it and it's out there and um, I've got great podcasters like you who, who, felt you know cool i'll rock with this guy i'll hang Absolutely. out with him oh no so no you. When,
1: you, when you signed up for it i had to smile we both know mickey mickelson of course you know with great yeah. legend. mickey's a great pr guy and uh, he helps book a lot of guests on my show as well but i i have to tell you you said something very fascinating about romance novels so when i wrote my book which originally was called sunrise in saigon, and saigon it got released last year it a lot of people have come back and said, is this a romance? Is it historical fictional? Because they see the word Vietnam. It, or is it something in between? And I said, it's really a romance novel with the exception of the CIA guy throws the Russian into a pit of covers and he dies. And everyone goes, why the hell did you put that in there? I said, well, it's something later. It's a hook that plays later, right? But when you have to stop and explain that, you're right. It takes you off your genre. And that's one of the things that's really challenging in writing is you've got to either stick to the genre that you want to keep the book entirely for. Or if you did what I did, where I jumped kind of between different genres, hoping that people would get the story. It does make it a very complicated read. Um, And and you're right about the ending. If you're going to go romance and at the end everybody dies and the world ends, it's not a romance novel anymore. You've wasted 70% of the book creating this romantic thing and at the end you know somebody dies of gonorrhea right and that just doesn't ring that doesn't work so I, I agree with your point on that so what's interesting you said you wrote it for yourself but I, I have to ask though in, in all honesty and fairness in writing who are your people when you think about your book now that the book is out it's put out there you got it on Amazon that's where you know I had a chance to pick it up who are your people who are your people you're going God, if if I could hand the book to somebody it'd have to be this kind of person who, who is that person This
0: kind of person is, so we talked before we started the interview Mm -hmm. that two of my favorite fiction authors are Chuck Palahniuk Mm -hmm. and Caroline Kipnis, who is Mm -hmm. the author of the U series. And we all know Chuck Palahniuk wrote Fight Club and, Mm -hmm. and Choke. And his uh, most recent book, uh, The Invention of Sound, which came out a couple of years ago. He's got a new book, and I've, I'm a terrible Chuck Palahniuk fan because I forget the name of the new one, but I do know that he's going to be in the Houston area in September, and I'm going to blow up my entire family for the entire course of the day when he's in town. Unfortunately, off the top of my head, I don't know what the upcoming book is, so, uh, you, but you can still call me a Chuck fan. Um, but yeah, so it's anybody who likes. That kind of work, Mm -hmm. um, that kind of writing, that kind of style, uh, I think would absolutely enjoy it. Uh, To further the point, anybody who is sick and tired of the perfect uh, kind of holiday special uh, who just feels like that's not real life, Mm -hmm. uh, not that real life is beating the shit out of somebody. We're <laughs> or, or... Or tripping Santa. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, right. Exactly. Uh, not that that's real life or not that that's right. something to aspire to, but um, I basically took, well, these holiday specials are too flaw are too flawless. Right. Let's make them the complete polar opposite and make everything more flawed. And so there is some humanity. And so I think that's for, uh, I think people who, Who get that, who get that, you know, we're, we're, we all have the capacity to, Mm -hmm. to, to do really, to do really shitty things to not just, uh, strangers, but to the people that we're close closest to.
1: Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So I have to ask a question also about your writing style and revenge. Now, when I've had other writers come on the podcast and we talk about a book being very dark, filled with revenge, revenge is the ultimate closing point of the book. Is it difficult to write revenge in a story knowing that you may not nail the ending? So if I'm reading a book and I think, God, this is really like this, the bad guy is just going to get in the end. It's like watching a, you know, a K drama on Netflix. You're hoping that the witch, you know, mother-in-law dies at the end and she doesn't. And you walk away with this sense of incompleteness going, God, I wish that bitch would have died. Right. (laughs) Yeah. So when you're writing revenge in your book, did you feel that you had to hit a certain point? Of where you think that the reader would have been satisfied with the ending, or did you feel like, no, no, I just wrote revenge and you know the douchebag dies at the end. But how do you write revenge? How was the? How would you give if, if you're writing, giving me pointers? And I wanted to put a revenge piece in a book. What's the best way to write revenge?
0: I think you go into it without trying to figure out who's going to die. Mm-hmm. And so that kind of flies in the face of having the story plotted. Mm-hmm. And one of the things, and this is how much of a fanboy of Chuck Palahniuk I am, <laughs> uh, is that he plots his books, but only to the halfway, mm-hmm. only to the, the first half of the the story. Mm-hmm. So he allows that. So there, there's structure. Mm -hmm. Right. But then he also allows himself some creative freedom. He also writes longhand. And I wrote the second and third books longhand. And it really does something to you when you get into that flow Mm -hmm. Um, at four thirty in the morning, though, your handwriting is not exactly legible. (laughs) But, you know, uh, be that as it may, Mm -hmm. it's uh, there. There's a lot. There's a lot to that. Just allowing, uh, allowing yourself creative freedom to mm-hmm. go off the beaten path of what you may have uh, typed out in, a, in an executive summary or in a series mm-hmm. of index cards is allowing yourself that grace that al- as long as you have some structure, mm-hmm. uh, you can get through whatever else. Uh, you, you, can, you can allow yourself to go off the, to, to delve off into, into other regions of, mm-hmm. of your, your flow state.
1: So when I wrote the ending of my book in Sunrise and Saigon, it took me two weeks to write the last two pages because I could not come up with an ending that I felt was appropriate. Yeah. And, uh, and honestly, you know, the people that read my book, and I got some great feedback going, you know, A, many wanted you know, the protagonist to do something. Then I said, no, 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 he couldn't do that. It was too obvious. And then the other one's come back saying, I like the way the ending came out. When you wrote your ending, was it something that you just penned right through and said, boom, or did you have to stop and go, I can do better? I can do was it. Was it something that you struggled with to get to the ending of the book? Or do you feel you had, you, it came to you, you climaxed immediately, you knew exactly what the ending was going to be? Or did you have to struggle like I did to come up with your ending?
0: I struggled like you did. In fact, when I wrote, I finished writing the first draft, I ran out of room in the notebook. Mm-hmm. And, um, and I'm like, okay, there's no way this is the end. <laughs> There's no way this is the, there's no way this is, it's not, this is, no, um, there needs to be, there, no, I, I need to add mm-hmm. to it um, because there, there is, for people listening, there is death and I won't tell you how many people die and who dies. Um, that's for you to find out. You gotta read for, it. for us, for you gotta us read to it. know, <laughs> yeah, for us to know and you to find out, but um, I didn't feel right mm-hmm. ending it with one of the deaths Mm -hmm. um and so i sat on it and sat on it and Mm -hmm. then i wrote um i wrote the final chapter Mm -hmm. and not because i'm just some arrogant fan of my work (laughs) but i i think that last chapter is the best chapter of anything i've ever written i've written three books i also Mm -hmm. have a career as a radio copywriter Mm -hmm. um and i write copy for a living as well now that i'm not in radio and it's the best damn thing i have ever yeah. written
1: in my entire life it's beautiful beautiful and and you're proud of it um but oh yeah i gotta take the other side th- i gotta flip the uh, 180 degree okay did you have beta readers did you have testers did you have alpha people that read your your manuscript and did, did any of them come back and go dude <laughs> i'm not there man i'm not there <laughs> or did everyone get it did everyone get the storyline
0: I had one beta reader, mm-hmm. and he he liked it. Mm-hmm. He liked it. He had you know, and I'm I'm always skeptical of of what mm-hmm. one of my friends, who's a public speaking coach, call calls hot and cold feedback. Mm-hmm. Hot feedback is great. Keep it up. You're hot. Cold, mm-hmm. you know, not feeling it. This is what you need to work on. So, mm-hmm. um, I'm I'm always skeptical of hot feedback, mm-hmm. even when it comes from a friend. Uh, because I'm like, is it just not that I don't trust my friends. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying that you know, there, there's there's skin in the game for them. It's like, mm-hmm. I don't want to I don't want to piss off Patrick. Mm-hmm. I don't want to piss off Freddie. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't want to I don't want to tell them that their baby is ugly. Right. Um, And and, and a good writer. Mm-hmm. or at least a, anyone who's a decent writer rather mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think that people can be successful and have shitty stories, uh, yes. but a, a, su- a, a successful writer, a decent writer, a great storyteller will always lean into mm-hmm. the cold feedback and be like, hey, you know, what did I do wrong? How can I make this better? You don't have to be self-loathing like murder my book, please. Yeah. It's, you know, you could, there, there's a constructive way of doing that.
1: And I agree with that because I think that, you know, what I did was I had some beta readers that I didn't even know. I picked them, it were just people on LinkedIn that I knew or Facebook groups or whatever. And I really wanted them to like, you don't know me. I don't know you. And all of them came back and kept saying how much of this book is real and how much of it is not. And I said, mission accomplished. <laughs> because I really wanted them to say, I don't know you, but yet if I did know you, I would think this way of you. Or if I, the fact that I don't know you, I really appreciated the story. And yeah. and that was great feedback. The thing that I um, kind of got hung up on a little bit was the whole grammar thing, because I'm not, I'm dyslexic by since I've been a child. Mm-hmm. And so for me, grammar is not my strength. Now, storytelling, story creation, plot creation, character development, you know, coming up with the revenge line and things like that, throwing people in the pit of cobras, I'm all there. Right, but when someone comes back and says, "But your grammar was three millimeters to the left to the right of the word, and the predicate was not tied to the consonant vowel," I'm like, "Yeah, thank you, <laughs> it's doing nothing for me." <laughs> right? Get the story. Did you yeah. have a Did you have a line editor that just bled all over the place and said, "You know, there's all the mistakes." Did you turn to that person and say, "Thank you, but I'm not in the fifth grade anymore." Did you get the story? Did you get me, or did your line editor just? you know, just did the the redlining and did exactly what they were hired to do.
0: It was just the, the line editing, Mm -hmm. um, you know, Richard and the team at Tuscany Bay books, they, Mm -hmm. they rocked it. They were the ones behind the, this, uh, really (laughs) twisted cover too. Um, (laughs) yeah, they, they took care of business. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's very, very objective. I've, I've worked with, uh, with copy editors and, and developmental editors for the pat, for the first two books. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the, everyone I've ever worked with is, is professional. And, mm-hmm. and I know that developmental editors, their job is to push you to make sure the story, the, the actual craft, the creation itself is good. Mm-hmm. And it's not necessarily their job to line at yeah. it mm-hmm. and make sure that there's a, you know, that there's a, Proper quotations or mm-hmm. punctuation, a colon where there should be a comma or whatnot. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: So I got it, obviously, uh, you know, being a fellow podcaster, putting you on the hot seat, being the the podcaster, I get the privilege of being that today. (laughs) You you relaunched your podcast. You had a huge July 4th weekend as well. Tell me a bit about how the podcast relaunched. I know you did a big 12-hour event. You had some veterans on. You kind of made a really big celebration of it as well. Tell me a little bit about the new podcast. You know, what are you going to be doing the next few months with it as well?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Thank you so much. It's cruise through HTX. I am in the Houston area. And so I figured, you know, after, after about 90 something episodes, um, and mm, actually no 90 episodes just last year. So I had 130 episodes, sorry, about 130 episodes total of Freddie's huge ask podcast and interview, uh, format. I figured, Less than two thousand downloads, mm-hmm. I should probably redirect and focus and do something else. And, you know, <laughs> uh, yeah, and, and and I really honestly don't think that uh, it, it's because of my talent as an interviewer, mm-hmm. because you don't get to interview people like a Holocaust survivor or Jack yeah. Carr if you are a shitty interviewer. Mm-hmm. And so it's trying to figure out for my on my own where things went wrong and i feel i feel like or i'm convinced because i look at the back end data mm-hmm. that it's because it's just not focused right. um, i mean your show is very focused.
1: <laughs> writers, very focus. writers, man, you writers,
0: know. writers. Right, but what's Freddie's huge ask podcast? It's an interview, okay? Who if everyone does interviews, the seventeen-year-old uh, on TikTok does interviews, holding the little lavalier mic drives me crazy. Uh, but you can't, you, sh- you can't be a real podcaster if you talk with the lavalier mic in your hands. Sorry, right. you gotta yeah, have, yeah, got have a <laughs> voice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but um, you know, it, it, that uh, that aside, um, mm-hmm. I decided to go back to my roots. I'm in the Houston area. I was on the radio for a long time. Mm -hmm. And so I figure let's give this a shot. I'll Mm -hmm. give it another 120 plus episodes Mm -hmm. and uh, see if I can't take this Mm -hmm. as far as I can take it. So um, you mentioned the 4th of July podcast. Mm -hmm. I have some buddies who have a, um, it's Charlie Mike, the podcast, which is a veteran, a veteran podcast for Mm -hmm. first responders and people who have served in the military. Mm -hmm. And we teamed up for this 12 hour long extravaganza in conjunction with a five episode drop. Mm -hmm. We had World War II veterans Mm -hmm. uh, in the studio. We had, uh, actually one of the world war II veterans also served in Korea mm-hmm. and Vietnam. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had, uh, my friend Sharon Melton from CW 39. Mm-hmm. We had, uh, Casey Curry, who's running for Houston city council, the mayor of Pearland. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it was, it was a lot of fun and mm-hmm. we were raising money for helping a hero. I got, oh. I had a chance to, um, go out to one of their groundbreaking events so what helping a hero does is they build uh home custom mm-hmm. homes for our wounded veterans paraplegics and and people who are permanently disabled and so we had one of their uh, ambassadors frank fields mm-hmm. uh who lost both of his legs unfortunately a- in the iraq war mm-hmm. and uh, we had him on as well and it was really it was a a a Touching conversation because at one point we had one of the World War II veterans mm-hmm. and Frank on at the same time, mm-hmm. and um, and it was magical, man. Uh, at the very end of the uh, at the very end of the um of the live stream, mm-hmm. Raúl's like, and he this is the guy from Charlie Mike, mm-hmm. and Raúl says, um, "I counted, man, and there was at one point twenty two people in the studio." Beautiful. And I looked, I looked at him, and I'm like, twenty two. And so his, his mission with Charlie Mike is to cut veteran suicides down. And Mm -hmm. as you, as you may know, 22 veteran suicides a day, and there are 22 people in the studio. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, you can't tell me that there's some, not something greater than us out there. That's, that was, that had some hand, an invisible hand in what we're doing. It It was,
1: yeah. Yeah. No, and thank you for doing, I'm a veteran as well. And I really appreciate your focus on veterans and really doing thank fundraiser. You. And no, that's a, a wonderful, wonderful way of the time spent. And, you know, that I very commend you for not only you, but all your colleagues in the Houston area for putting on a show like that on July 4th and really recognizing not only past veterans, but current veterans as well. And that that's extremely wonderful. And thank you, Freddie, for doing that. That's fantastic. Thank no, you
0: for your service. Yes. Oh, no,
1: Thank you very much for that as well. So I got to ask book three, boom, got it. <laughs> Talk about book four is book four coming. Uh, I-
0: <laughs> <laughs> Thanks Patrick. Boom. boom. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So this is the deal, man, uh, right. because you are putting me on the spot. I, yeah. I wanted, I, I do want, I do want there to be a sequel to this, which will be the first time that a book is it that I want there to be a sequel so bad. And I've been told by numerous people that there has to be a sequel to allow me to ruin your Christmas. Yeah. Um, but I don't have it in me creatively. I'm Mm -hmm. trying to get some stuff together uh, professionally. Uh, As you know, I left radio. I was trying to get a job and I ended up hiring myself, which means I'm now running my own company. Mm -hmm. And, um, and I really am trying to force all of my creative energy into, into building something that's going to help a lot of people Mm -hmm. um, with, through the art of podcasting. And so um, the sequel to "Allow Me Your Christmas," I already know for a fact it's "Allow Me to Ruin Your Life."
1: Okay, or ruin <laughs> and, Valentine's Day or Father's Day. Yeah,
0: yeah, and th- there is a loose outline to it. It's All coming, right. but I don't know when. And then next year is going to be the fifth anniversary of when America fell silent, which is the um, the the first book that I wrote, and I wanted to have it with new cover art and maybe a short story at the end, nice. and kind of remix it. Uh, but again, I just don't. Uh, The original plan was to have something prepared and ready. Mm -hmm. And I just, uh, I'm at a point where I've really got to lean into what I'm doing to get, you know, to pay the
1: bills. Mm -hmm. Well, I got to tell you, you know, I'm in the same boat. You know, hired myself a year ago. I was in tech for 28 years, said enough. I'm going to be a full time writer. Started doing podcasting, you know, promoting writing, getting involved in writers' communities and help writers promote themselves as well. Um, but in closing, you know, as we talk about the you know, you and, and how people can get hold of you, what's the best way people can follow you? Follow you on social media, pick you up on your podcast, and obviously pick up the book as well. Um,
0: yeah, absolutely. So I, I've got my my podcast link. If you want to learn anything about the city of Houston, it's <laughs> cruise through HTX. Okay. Um if you want to, I mean, these are these are some these people are fascinating, fascinating, fascinating people, and some of them are friends of mine. Um, so, I mean, if you really, if you, if you want to learn about Houston and the people that are behind it, the everyday people, and not just everyday people, they they are they are these are epic individuals whose stories uh, command to be shared with the world. Please check out Cruise Through HTX, and then uh, my my podcast company is Speak podcasting.com mm-hmm. um speak as an s-p-e-k-e named after my dogs sparrow and zeke mm-hmm.
1: okay. so. and your and your book is up on amazon i just pick it up on kindle as well yeah. um are you doing any book signing events anything coming up in the houston area you may be at a library you're going to be at a barnes and noble maybe an independent bookstore what's your what's your book signing strategy the, there are no book signings. <laughs> <laughs> that <laughs> I was a signing test, that was um, a test <laughs> yeah
0: Yeah, and you know what? And that was uh and yeah, I'm a horrible self promoter. I'm a horrible self promoter. There's you'll see some ads out there, maybe if you're on book pub, but I mean uh yeah, I um the e you know the ego really got a hold of me when I did a book signing and and nobody showed up. Yeah, and then the only people that were there were were three people that were already there.
1: Right. (laughs) and and sometimes that's actually a you know, it all takes this one one person that can your book event and say you know, I drove 75 miles to meet you because I read the book and I'm like, wow. And then you, how, what can, how can you not get emotional over that? Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. But I love the energy. Freddie Cruz, I wish you very best. You know, allow me to ruin your Christmas book out on amazon.com. Follow his podcast as well. And you're a wonderful, wonderful host, wonderful podcaster. And hey, when, you, when book four is in, in demise, come on. Love to have you come on back on to the podcast as well. And I'll definitely stay in touch with you as well.
0: I really appreciate that, my man. Thank you so much for having me in your space. Just one more quick reminder that Allow Me to Ruin Your Christmas by me, Freddie Cruz, is available now on Amazon. So grab your paperback or hardcover copy. I really do think you are going to enjoy this book as much as I did writing it, but don't just take my word for it. Publishers Weekly says, and I quote, Cruz keeps the twists coming james patterson fans will be pleased end quote thank you